Hi, welcome to Making Sense of Movies. I'm Claire. I'm Elena. And today we are talking about A24 movies, which is near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, it's an independent American film company, fairly new, founded in 2012. But besides like the movie community, I feel like not many people have heard of this company, at least the people I've talked to. I feel like people I know know the movies they make. I don't know if they necessarily know it's A24. Mm-hmm. They're fairly popular now. A lot of their films get a ton of, not all their films, but specific films of theirs tend to get buzzed. They've had a lot of Oscar nominations in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. So we're going to talk about our top five A24 films. Mm -hmm. And it's very, like, A24, the cool thing about it is they're so broad. Like, there's some which are just, like, balls to the wall crazy and others that reach a more general audience, which we've got uh, really both of those on this list. Okay, so we're going to start with the most recent A24 film that we saw. So we saw The Lighthouse, which is directed by Robert Robert Eagers, Eagers. who uh, is just coming off of The Witch. Yes, yeah, so I had not I had I have not seen The Witch, Claire. Have yeah, you? I had seen I really like The Witch. Yeah, I really The only ex- thing about it is the sub we're not talking we're about, not the, talking about sorry, the witch but i just want to say the only th- i love that movie but this uh i had to watch it with subtitles because just the very thick accents and i kind of feel like it's the same for the lighthouse that's like, what i, was gonna I say. Would, would love to watch it again just with subtitles, the subtitles because you can Definitely just tell miss. there's a lot of really good and like just very interesting writing but some of it's just so glossed over because it's like i just can't understand what yeah there were definitely said. scenes where i was like i feel like i just heard noises mm-hmm. i did not understand at all what they're saying by the end you understand but i do mm-hmm. wish it had subtitles yeah so if you don't know what the lighthouse is about it's about two um lighthouse keepers i mm-hmm. guess one old played by robert Duf- Duf- not no, robert played by, played by um, um willem, willem Duf- Duf- and then the younger one is played by robert pattinson and basically, they're supposed to stay, I think, for like four weeks or something. Um, and then a storm hits, and they stay there for much longer. And throughout this period of time and throughout the movie, things get weird and things get crazy. They're driven into madness, both by oh, the yes. space they're in and by each other. So before we start, um, this film is is entirely in black and white. I feel like it was The Witch in black and white. No, it wasn't. Oh, I don't know why. I feel like I watched a trailer and I thought it was. Um, so it's entirely in black and white. Uh, Claire and I are taking a history of photography class, and we thought it very much reminiscent of a daguerreotype, which is the first type of um, photography. And they did, I did do serene. They did use some very, like, old um, film lenses. So it does have this very kind of old black and white film feel to it. And I think, it like, having it be in black and white, I think was a great decision because it just makes everything so bleak and it makes you really focus and like the visuals in this like don't get me the wrong visuals are amazing but i feel like having it in black and white makes you focus on like the characters and the situation a little bit more also the fact that it wasn't widescreen like it would be in a normal movie theater it was cut i don't know how to i guess it was square i don't really know how to oh yeah it was just different different formatting so it didn't take up the entire movie screen like most movies nowadays do it took up it was basically just the middle of the screen. There mm-hmm. were there were no ends, and that also it definitely helped the like isolated feel that these two characters were ha- mm-hmm. were having, which I thought really added to the story. Yeah, made it a lot more claustrophobic. Definitely. Um, did we like this movie, Claire? I have to watch it. I do think I like this movie. I would have to watch it again. The I love how it's it is just crazy. Like so much stuff's happening, and it almost to a point where it makes you. 
feel like you're there and you're trying to figure out with them, like, what is going on? I'm so confused. So I think that was good. But then on the other hand, I would like to see this movie if it was a little bit more structured. I agree. I think that would be interesting. The main, there isn't much that truly happens in the film. In the sense they're on the island, they do work. They're they're isolated on this lighthouse, which I've heard in many interviews, and if you don't know this already, is basically just a big phallic symbol, the lighthouse itself. There are two men. There's definitely a sense of, like, this undertone of, like, masculinity and how Mm -hmm. men present themselves in this film, which we can talk about a little later. But in the beginning, and maybe the first, like, 30 minutes or so, they're just doing normal things. Like, this, the way, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, okay, like, it's gonna get weird. And I remember watching it and being like, when is it gonna get weird? And and then it got too weird, and I was like, (laughs) oh, maybe I want to go back. (laughs) Oh, I kind of like how, though, I think the point of that was in the beginning, it's just so repetitive, and you just feel yourself doing the same things over and over and over again. Um... Which I, I, I liked. And I liked it. spoiler alert, it basically all happens because Robert Pattinson kills a seal. A great scene. Great scene. It's it's a lot. Um, there's a lot of weird things in this film. There's, like, him, Mara Pattinson having sex with a mermaid, the only female character to come in the film at all. And she's basically just a mermaid he has sex with. Um, Which, actually, I thought that scene was going to be more intense. Oh, yeah. I thought the mermaids had a much bigger role in this film. Yeah. I feel like they advertised it like they had a much bigger role, and they did not. And I read... Spoiler alert. There's, like, maybe a couple minutes of mermaids in that scene. Yeah, and I had read so many... See, I don't really read that many articles beforehand, but I was trying to convince someone to go see the movie, and I was using the mermaid sex as my main point for it. And all the articles I was reading was just like, oh, so intense. Like, it's going to be this crazy sex scene. It was not. It was more tame than, than it was. I thought it than yeah. they advertised it mm-hmm. to be. Um, so I guess we'll just go through, like, the flow of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so once, it's hard, this movie's hard to talk about because, like, so much weird things happen. Like, there's a general scene where things start to get weirder. So once they realize they can't leave the island, no one's coming for them. They start to, Rob Pattinson throughout the whole film doesn't drink at all. Once he starts drinking and starts, Willem Dafoe, though, is drinking the whole time, they both start drinking together is when, like, shit hits the fan. They're, like, drunkenly dancing together. There's a great scene where Robert Pattinson is like, I don't like your cooking. And Willem Dafoe is like, you like my cooking. And he's like, I don't. And they're fighting back and forth. And it's such, like, a weirdly, like, um, domestic, like, fight between them. That I was like, they're basically like an old married couple where he's like, you have to like my cooking. Like, I've seen you eat my cooking. Rob Hassan has a great line about steak. That was pretty funny. Yeah. That's a funny scene. A, That's that really was, definitely... There's like, definitely lightheartedness in this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Where I definitely did not, like, think. Yeah. And then after he, like, he's like, I don't like your cooking. Willem Dafoe, like, curses him with, like, Poseidon or something like that. And then more, like, weird things happen. Like, there's a point where Willem Dafoe becomes the lighthouse. That's the scene for me I was going to bring up that I was like, this is freaky. That this was a weird so part. freaky. So, so was this after the master, like, the furious masturbation I honestly, scene? I could not tell you when this scene was. But basically what happens is I think they're on the top of, are they on the top of the lighthouse at this point? I don't know. I can't Doesn't, tell you. I have to think this movie does a very good job of making you kind of feel insane. Mm-hmm. There were points where I was like, even watching the film where I was like, where am I within this film? Like, what just happened? 
Like, I don't even remember what just happened. Yeah. And I have to, that was, like, kind of, it was weird coming out of the film and being, like, what, what did I just watch? Because I truly do not remember anything. Yeah. Oh, but so in this scene, Robert Pattinson goes up to this guy and grabs his shoulder, and the guy turns around, and it's also Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And then standing behind him is William Dafoe. Completely stark naked, stark might I yeah, add. Naked. And I forget if the light was either coming out of his mouth or his eyes. But it, was it a third eye? It might have been a third eye, but it's just such a... Uh, like, it, that scene has just stuck with me. Like, it, I was so creeped out by that. I was like, some, it's just so... Yeah. I'm fright, very frightening. Very frightening. I don't know if that's frightening. I was just like, wait, what's going... I remember, like, gasping and being like, what, like, what the hell? I just wasn't <laughs> expecting that. It was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole scene with... Um, so Robert Pattinson's character, he had an, another occupation, and he was working for some, like, lumber company. Yeah, lumber. And I guess what happened was he had watched one of his workers fall into the water, or his co-workers fall into the water, and, like, logs came over him, and he did nothing to help. Yeah, so the co-worker dies. Mm-hmm. And then, so Robert Pattinson sort of haunted by the thought that... Yeah. And there's this back and forth of, like, did he actually kill this guy? Or is he just... But he does. He changes his name and he runs away. He takes like, the other. That's like a, something that comes out in the film where Rob Hassan, who in the film I think what's his name, um, Thomas. No, 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 his first name. Oh. Something with a W. Wilfred. Not Wilfred. Hold on, let me look, look it up. Yeah. But he has his other name, and then a drunk white night, Willem Dafoe was like, "I don't want to hear about your dirt." Winslow. Winslow. Okay, so his, his initial name is Winslow, his last name. That's what Willem Dafoe calls him. And then Rob Pattinson is all like, I, I have something to tell you. Willem Dafoe's like, I don't want to hear this. And then he t- Robert tells him. And, yeah, we all regretted that moment because it mm-hmm. didn't really, like, it's it's his own guilt and his own, like, you realize why why he does so well, why he doesn't drink. The whole point. He doesn't drink is because in the manual it says lighthouse keepers are not allowed to drink, and Willem Dafoe is, is basically like I don't care, like I've been doing this for a while, like you're so new, um, and they have that like old and young dynamic. There's also definitely some like homosexual yeah. undertones in this film. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where they're like dancing like pretty wildly, and then they're like slow dancing very close, mm-hmm. and then they're about to kiss, and then they start fighting again. And I'm like, you could have done the kiss. But they but decided not to. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think what else about this movie I so like. So much else. Um, mm, I was just, like, so hooked from the very beginning. Uh, just, like, with... Everything was so loud in the very beginning. Like, with yeah, the Oh, there's the siren. The sirens, which I thought was great. I loved the sound of the siren. Um, and then there's just one shot in the beginning, and it's just both of them staring into the camera. And you're just kind of like, oh, man, like, get ready because you're going for a trip. Like, this is going to be, yeah. like, insane. I I do admit to being kind of bored in, at certain points. Because, like, the first 30 minutes, it's the repetitiveness of, like, their days. Like, Rob Hassan is, like, getting lobster. And also a whole issue in the movie is that Willem Dafoe is the only one allowed on the, like, the night lighthouse. Like, he's not, like, he's the only one who's allowed in the lighthouse. Rob Hassan does all the other work, which, like, includes cleaning and stuff like that. He's basically, like, a wife. Um, and, like, I was, like, waiting. I'm, like, okay, he's going to go see what's in the lighthouse. And then it doesn't happen until the way end of the film. And even then, like, you don't really know what he sees or if it's just light. Because there's a scene where Willem Dafoe is transfixed by this light. And he kind of looks like he's very much maybe, like, not knocked out, but 
um, I don't know how to say it, like, tra- not trans, like, transfixed, but... Yeah, I think transfixed is, is a word good word? Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen when Rod Patterson sees it? And that's, like, kind of the end of the film is where he sees it. Yeah. What do you think the light means? I heard somewhere that it's God. I really don't think it's God. Um, I've, I don't know. I think it's just, like, obsession. Obsession? Because there, yeah, because there's, like, an incident before in the film where... Willem Dafoe, like, Bar Pants is like, oh, what happened to your other, like, lighthouse keeper? And Willem Dafoe's like, oh, he he went insane, so. I did read some things about that where it was almost as if William Dafoe's character was trying to make him go insane by planting the seeds of, like, oh, oh the I, other person went insane. I definitely think Willem Dafoe was trying to make Rob Pattinson go insane. There's a point in the book where, not in the book, in the film, where Rob Pattinson, he's like, I've had enough. Like, I cannot do this. And he takes, they have this, like, little boat, not, like, a ship. And he tries to go away, and Willem Dafoe has this axe, and he's running around in this axe, and he chops up the boat, and then Rob Pattinson runs into the house, and Willem Dafoe follows him with the axe. And as soon as he comes in, Willem Dafoe is like, oh, look, you're crazy. You are following me around with an axe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that, I'm like, that's not what we just saw. Yeah. But yet, that is what's taken as fact mm-hmm. in the film, which is why I like definitely believe he's trying to make him go crazy. And just also, trying to keep him on the island so he doesn't have to be alone there. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, there's where uh, Willem Dafoe the whole time is recording what's happening in this book that he locks away. Robert Pattinson finally finds the book, and he's like, and in the book, basically, Willem Dafoe is saying, oh, Rob Pattinson is drunk all the time. He's not doing his work right. And Robert Pattinson's like, like, what the hell? No, like, the whole film, you see him working very hard. And then you have this written fact, like, oh, he's really not working this hard. So it makes you question what's really happening. Mm -hmm. Because you, like, what we saw is, no, he's working really hard. And he gets really offended. He's like, no, I'm a hard worker. And that kind of, like, pushes him off the edge. Yeah, and that was so sad because I was just like, damn, you're going to throw Robert Pattinson under the bus like that? I know, he really did. He was doing a good job. He He was doing a very good job. He got blown in the face with shit. Yeah. Remember that? I do remember that. That That was a weird scene. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an out-of-context scene I feel like we should be referencing, but maybe aren't. Any, like, last things? They do both die at the end. I feel like that is some, yeah, something I, I was expecting. I did mm-hmm. like the last shot of Robert Pattinson. His last shot is he's naked on the the beach, and mm-hmm. there are, like, seagulls poking his eyes out, which is what Willem Dafoe said would happen if you killed a seagull. Mm-hmm. So clearly, like, the seagull thing is running through, but it reminded me very much of a painting. Oh, real? which painting? I don't know. I remember seeing it, and I like, have this, like, init- initial like, recognition of, oh, I've seen something like this before. Yeah, there's this one story, uh, this one, like, Greek mythology story. I forget who it is, but it's uh, this one human, I think, or maybe demigod, steals lo- fire from another god, and yeah. then, as punishment, an eagle eats out his liver for the rest of eternity, uh, which a lot of people were making parallels to after Robert Pattinson saw the light and then was, like, had his stomach and, like, the rest of his body eaten out by the, the gulls. Yeah, the gulls. Do not underestimate the gulls. No. The one with the one eye. Yeah. Those seagulls were sick. Very were, well trained. They were they were creepy. And truly, they were also truly best actor some, nominees. Some <laughs> of the best comedic moments in that was were with seagulls, the seagull. Because yeah. the seagull would, like, come up to the window and was just being, like, such a little jerk. Yeah. And it was just... Performances, very well done for both of them. Yeah. Could you see them getting nominated for Oscars for this? I don't know about Robert Pattinson, because I think Robert Pattinson's going for... At least they're advertising him as the lead actor, while Willem Dafoe is the supporting. I feel like Willem Dafoe, probably supporting. I don't know about Robert Pattinson. But we have, we have another R. Pats film to review. That's very so true. So maybe he deserved it for that one. And I think that... Uh, 
Robert Pattinson, he really, because William Dafoe has been nominated at least one other time. He was nominated, last time he was nominated was last year for a, for a Florida project, and then was he nominated for Loving, no, no, Loving Vincent was It's a different, it's the Vincent Van Gogh, it's like eternal something. Mm -hmm. He played Vincent Van Gogh, I did not see that No, neither did I. But like, he's just a top-notch great A actor, and Robert Pattinson, who a lot of people underestimate him due to his, uh, Twilight, which we talked about last episode, of course, yeah. Um, but he definitely is here standing right up to William Dafoe's performance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, props to both of them, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's a good a good place to end it. And mm-hmm. our next film is Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade, which is, oh. we're going in, like, least chronological order, so from newest oh. to oldest. Yeah, so, so Eighth Grade is, is written and directed by, by Bo, Bo Burnham, which... Bo, oh, Bo Burnham's great. He is I great. love Bo Burnham. And he was uh, just perfect. He's a comedian, if you don't know. He has two specials out. I mm-hmm. think they're still on Netflix. What... And Make Happy, those are both of his Netflix specials. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of, like, theatrics in his um, Netflix comedy. Um, and I remember when I first heard about this, I was, like, very confused. Just because I was like, oh, like, Bo Burnham, like, directing this about eighth grade. Like, I thought it was, it's, it's a comedy, I let you know that. But it's not, like, his comedy. Mm-hmm. It's very different than what anything he's used to. Um, so the eighth grade follows our protagonist, Kalo, played by Elsie um, Fisher, great actress, who... Basically has, it's basically through her last week of eighth grade and kind of like beginning of high school and how she's very, very shy. Mm-hmm. She low-key reminded me of me. <laughs> um, my, my favorite thing was, so the first scene, she's all like, so the first scene, she has a YouTube page or channel. Oh my God. She has a YouTube <laughs> channel and she basically talks about how you need confidence or how to get friends, yet she in her own life doesn't have any of these things, Mm -hmm. which I found very kind of ironic because there's this need to, you know, be famous or to like TikToks and shit shit like that. And yet, you know, these kids put on these great personas, yet was her persona so great? Not really, but she doesn't have these things in her life. Like she doesn't really have any friends in the beginning of the film. She's almost using the YouTube video to like wish it into existence. Yeah. And the thing I like about it is there's, a lot of, I mean, eighth grade, it's totally stands on its own, but there's a lot of movies that kind of follow a similar format where it's about, like, the shy, sort of outcast person, like, young girl or guy. Uh, the thing I like about it is she, usually in those movies, there's, like, a friend, like, yeah, two she, outcasts, and she is just totally on, on her, her own, yeah, and is, it just makes you feel for her so much. Also, like, her dad, she lives with her, her dad, her mother is never seen in the film, we, I think we assume. Divorce. Divorce. Yeah, they do say it's divorce. She's, she's divorced, mm-hmm. but we assume, like, she doesn't have a relationship with yeah. the mother as of this point, she lives with the dad. Um, one of my favorite things I wanted to point out is in the beginning, she talks about how, she's like, oh, like, the first scene where she's like, oh, I don't have a lot of, like, views so you know please like like and subscribe and that's low-key us in our podcast <laughs> our like super oh, awkward wait. first podcast <laughs> way please. to plug our podcast in the middle of our podcast. So just slide into your just uh, please DM. follow us <laughs> okay just a lovely plug um <laughs> i like it wait also can we also mention how when she's doing her makeup there's um i think is it olivia jones who did the college admission scandal is she in it? She's the YouTube video Whoa. she's doing her makeup in. Oh, my gosh. I literally wrote in my notes, rip. <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't even notice that. Oh, it's so funny. I started laughing. Yeah. Um, and that's not Bo Burnham's fault. That's just, like, life. Just a uh, college mission scandal. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into the into the film. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about it? Oh, yeah. So I love the writing in this. Like, I was appalled. I do not think it was nominated for writing. I was so angry at that. I think it should have been. Just it because been. it's so... It hits, like, 
eighth graders now, like, it's just... It really taught, like, it is how people talk. Yeah. And I, I watched an interview where he was saying how he just watched a lot of these YouTube channels, these eighth graders, like, who have, like, maybe 10 views mm-hmm. and how they talk. Um, in the first video, it's a lot of ums, it's a lot of likes. She's, she choose, she doesn't really choose her words very carefully. But it's just, it's just but, very true to yeah. the age group. This is not, like, these teen movies where it's, like, 50-year-old men writing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell it was written by someone who not, who not only understands, but wants to put out what, something that's, like, believable. And that was something yeah. I like, like, watching it. You don't realize you're watching the film. Yeah. You feel like you're just watching, like, life. Yeah. Like, the writing is unbelievable. Like, and same with, like, her bedroom. I felt the same way. Because there's yes. some bedrooms in... They're so tricked out. And yeah. you're like, and it's like, who is letting you do this? Yeah. I just felt like it, it was just all so relatable. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It's I, relatable. Whether you're in eighth grade... Or not. Or afterwards, you can look back on it and be like... Oh, gosh. Like, I felt that same way sometimes. No, there was... Um, I also love how he... I don't know if Bob learned this, or I don't know who did the music editing. Um, there's great scenes where when Kayla is, let's say, looking at her crush Aiden, <laughs> there's that music that plays. No, I wrote that down, too. It was so... I wrote that down, I watched too. this, not with Claire, for the first time with two of my friends, and we legitimately started laughing when this it was so came funny. on. It was so mm-hmm. funny. Because that's how you feel when you look at your crush, and all of a sudden, yeah. like... He's passing by or something. And, yeah, that music, that happens twice. And then there's a great scene where she's going into the pool party. And there's this really intense music going on. And I loved it because, like, that's how she feels. Yeah. That, like, this is a really big event. Yet when you she finally opens the door, like, it's not that big a deal. Like, mm-hmm. she's at a pool party. Yeah. Yet to her, it's everything. Yeah, no, that's what I wrote down because the music is so cool in this. And in the beginning, it's so operatic, which just fits yeah. the whole thing, I think. Because we're all worrying about fitting in, and she is too. And yeah. Eighth, especially in eighth grade and middle school, you're like micro analyzing all the things you do. Yeah. So this operatic music, even though it's like a small event, everything you do in eighth grade, you it's feel magnified like magnified a thousand percent. You feel like it's a big event and that everyone's watching you. When like looking back, no one really is. Like yeah, there are points where she so before the pool party, she's like freaking out in the bathroom, and like the, I've done that at like a thousand bar mitzvahs that I've been to because I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to like talk to people I don't usually talk to, so I would go in the bathroom freak out and then just like go back outside mm-hmm. low-key fun story i once um was I, I told my mom i was sick and i wasn't sick because i was so nervous i didn't want to go to this guy's bar mitzvah oh yeah but it was great i just i like read in bed and didn't have to do anything oh and i love the dad in this the dad is so tries so hard yeah oh my god he's just like trying to be a good dad and you can tell like he really, like, doesn't quite understand. And she's also mean to him, too. Like, she is feeling a certain way, and she kind of, um, you know, uses her feelings when she's mad at herself to her dad, which yeah. is, like, something very relatable. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people yeah. do that. And just the one scene that got to me was when she's at the kitchen table, and the dad's just trying to talk to her, yes. and she has the phone, and she's just going on the phone not talking to him. Yeah. Mm. I thought that was sad. I'm like, he's just trying to connect with you. Yeah. But overall, I love Ka- Kayla's character so Kayla's much. Kayla's great. Because just from the beginning, you just you, you just really her. like her and you're yeah. really rooting for her. And rewatching this, there were scenes. There's a few scenes in this where you can tell she's just so uncomfortable. Like she hunches scene, a lot in the film. Yeah. She she's I, don't, I think she's like normal height or in such or taller. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, she hunches a lot. I noticed that her face is always kind of like very like pleat like. She wants to talk to people, yet she's so scared. She's like, please don't talk to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, like, burst in a thousand flames. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, there's that scene with the 
when she goes to the high school. And there's that really creepy guy. Yeah, when they're at the mall in the car. Yeah, when they're in the car. So there's a Mm -hmm. scene where after eighth grade, they do like this high school um, buddy program. And she gets paired with this girl and they end up hanging out outside of like class. And she she hangs out with them. The dad's kind of like watching them, which I thought was pretty funny. So he leaves and she gets a ride back with this high school boy. And once they drop off the friend, he like kind of gets kind of creepy. Yeah, he gets into the back seat he, and they start playing truth or dare. dare. And he's like, and he keeps on choosing dare, and she keeps on to- choosing truth. truth. And she's like, I don't know, like what you want to do for your dare. And he's like, Oh, I'll take my shirt off. Would that be weird? And then he's like, Oh, like you take your shirt off. And she's saying like, Oh, no, I don't want. To I do like that. I'm that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want that. Um, and then he kind of. Scolds her for it, and yeah, he gets upset. And then she's the one apologizing to him, which yeah, that, like, I hated to see. This yeah, whole scene that was sad. Like when I watched this the first time in theaters, not just this scene, like the whole movie. Throughout the whole movie, everyone was laughing. Thought it was like there was funny parts of the movie. When we got to this scene, the theater was dead silence. Like it was a well done scene. He, it just was all so creepy, and you just felt for. Yeah, you knew there like. There was some, because he was also very quiet. Yeah. I mean, they had this, like, little moment in the cafeteria where he's like, I'm not quiet, you're quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He was, I'm glad she was able to stand up for herself, but that's not unfortunate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very real occurrence. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, I think it was a very believable growth. Mm-hmm. She's not saying she's 100% changed, but she is, like, she's hands up for herself to those two really mean girls <gasps> they were who refused horrible. to look at her when she gave the thank you note. I literally, I wrote down, I was like, why are these girls so mean? They were so mean. Like, unnecessarily mean. Yeah. Like, they could have, if you don't like someone, you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to, like, be mean to them. You can just be civil. And they weren't even that. Yeah. Um, and then she... She gets that new friend who gives Gabe. her the chicken nuggets. Oh, I love Gabe. Gabe's a man who gives you chicken nuggets with all the sauces. He's also kind of weird, but they, they compliment. Yeah, he was a good character. He was the cousin of one of the, one the, of the mean girls. Uh, but he was just, like, quirky, and they were just friends at the end. And it was, he was a good character, for sure. Yeah, we liked him. We mm-hmm. liked Gabe. Yeah. But overall, I just thought, like, really good themes about, like, moving forward. And even if you get to... In the future, you haven't moved forward. Like, you're, yeah. there's always time to move forward and be past things. Yeah, and also, um, in a sense of moving forward, they do these time capsules in the film. So they did one at, in sixth grade. Um, and then in this movie, she opens the sixth grade one. And the end of this film, she's making a video for her time capsule for, I guess, the end of high school. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And you can, yeah, she's she's changed, but for the better. Mm-hmm. But and she's not, like, she's wearing, Yeah. I don't know. It was it was believable in a very like relatable way. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite A twenty four movies for sure. Um, Highly recommend. Yeah, I definitely would recommend this one. Um, anything else? Not that I specifically can think of right now. All right. So transition to our next film, which is sort of a similar a sim- theme. I was similar theme. I watched these back to back, and they're very really? similar. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All so right. our next film is Lady Bird. If you don't know, is one of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. I've seen it about four times. Have you? I oh really have. It's, it's on. Okay, so it's on Amazon Prime, and when I get really bored, <laughs> I'll just watch it, and it like always makes me smile, and I'm always like, yay! Mm-hmm. Oh, so this was directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, it's who's wonderful. She uh, plug in it for Greta's new film. 
Um, Little Woman coming out December 25th. But so this stars Saoirse Ronan as our title character, Lady Bird. Um, also, Beanie Felstein, who's really great in Booksmart. She's in this um, as Lady Bird's best friend. And this film follows the last year of high school mm-hmm. um, of our main character, Christine, a.k.a. Lady Bird. And she goes to this, like, Christian, um, like, high school, like, pu- private high school. And it's about her kind of, she kind of decides she wants to change. Yeah, and it's about her, like, thinking she wants to go away to places with more culture, like Connecticut, where people, uh, where authors, like, live in the woods. And write. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she really, so this takes place in Sacramento, which is where Greta Gerwig grew up as well, and our main character really does not like Sacramento. Mm -hmm. She has this need to escape. It's also about her kind of relationships, not only to herself, but to her mother and her friends and her several boyfriends (laughs) in the film. Yeah. No, I really like the dynamic between her and her mother, who's yeah. played by uh, Laurie Metcalf, who's really good in this. She has some great birds. Yeah, and she's like just, she she yeah. insults her own daughter, but I was laughing with it. It's like a very complicated and real relationship because, Laura, like her, the mother's character, she's very mean at times, but, but she there's comes a, from a place of love. She like, comes from a place of love, and it's sort of about giving affection and like how you give affection in weird ways. It's not always what is shown. Yeah. You know, and, like, she, in the film, she works, like, you know, night shifts as a nurse in a psychiatric um, ward. Her The father is not employed, so they're very low on money. They live in, like, a not, not great area of Sacramento, so they're not well off, yet they go to the private school, but she has a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So there's some things there. I just thought also... Similar to what is shown in 8th grade as well, the makeup and everything is done fairly well. Um, although in 8th grade they used, I think, a bit more, like, age-accurate characters. The characters here don't look like they're 25. Yeah. Even though I think Sasha Ronan, she was, like, 22 or something when mm-hmm. she made this. Which is, like, slightly out of high school, but she doesn't look it. Um, and they kept her acne, which is, like, something I I don't think I had actually ever seen in a... At least, like, personally, I had not seen in a, like, high school film where a character actually, like, has not only believable acne, but has it for the entire film. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing really changes about it. Like, she doesn't all of a sudden become really beautiful. Yeah. And gets a guy. She gets the guy the way she is. Mm-hmm. Which is, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I also, I love Julie. Julie's her best friend. Oh, yeah. No, she's such she's a good She's the character, character I personally relate more to. Really? Than Lady yeah. Yeah. Because Julie, she's very shy. There's this one point in the film where they try out for the musical, which is Merrily We Go Along, which is not an appropriate high school. Wait, what's that about? Merrily We Go Along? It's, it's like, um, they're doing a Richard Linklater film, which Beanie oh. Felstein is starring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it fo- I had I read the Wikipedia once I saw this. Um, it follows a group of three friends throughout several decades of their lives, and it has to do with, like, alcoholism. And, you know, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really remember, but it's definitely not, like, age appropriate like yeah like this is like you know wholesome this is not wholesome things mm-hmm. like it basically shows the degradation of a relationship oh okay. so it starts out in the play as they're much older and then it goes it keeps going backwards until they've met so you see them oh. at their worst which is basically where the play starts or musical starts and then you see them when they first met when they're like young and um Oh, that's so naive. That's so interesting. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen like a play that's non-linear like that. But that's yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. No, Wikipedia. I, I haven't seen it. Uh, um, yes, they tried for this for this musical, and she, Beanie Felstein, who has a 
gorgeous voice. She was on Broadway. Um, gets the lead, and she says, oh, this is probably the only ever time. And they talk about how Danny, who's Lady Bird's crush, played by Lucas Hedges, is going to be the opposite lead. And Beanie goes, oh, this is probably the only time I'll ever get to do this. And I'm like, I felt that. Aww. Like, she feels like she's not a confident person, mm-hmm. but she's so nice and so cheerful. And I was like, I was, like, very kind of, I wouldn't say I was, like, like her in high school, but I was definitely way more cheerful and not as, like, nasty as Lady yeah. Bird is. Yeah, she's like she has flaws, which makes her character much like much more interesting. If this was another film and it wasn't the main character, I'm like, why would I watch someone go through high school? Because mm-hmm. in, in the end, like the things in high school isn't so interesting, you know. Like it's not like she has superpowers or she, you know, isn't or like something you know, huge happens in like normal high school yeah. films. It's just her life, but she herself and the way she like interacts with people is so fun to watch yeah no there are some scenes and also a character who i think is so funny is the priest and the priest is the sort priest of, is also kind of sad yeah the, there's one scene and the, like i had forgotten about it but it was so funny what? when they're all in a circle and they're trying to get ready for the play and they're saying the, like, cry the crying scene you thought that was funny i thought that was so sad it was just i wasn't expecting it so they're all in a circle and the priest is like oh we're gonna play this game first one to cry wins, wins. And then, like, the, it pans to Lady Bird uh, and Julie, and you then we hear this, hear like, this, sad like, really cry, and it's the priest who's crying. And that was sad. And then you, the one thing I do, I credit Greta Gorey, because she wrote this as well, is each character feels fleshed out. Even yeah. if you're not the main character, you wanted to know more. So mm-hmm. in the priest's sake, um, for instance, he, you find out later that he doesn't do the spring play, um, it gets... He instead goes to the mental ward where he talks to um, Lord, um, Lady Bird's mom, and he's he's like he has this history of depression. He has no one to talk to, and you're like, oh, that's really sad. Like, what else is this to his story? In addition, um, you have Danny, who is um, Lady Bird's first boyfriend. She really likes him. He's gay, unfortunately, um, but he is you know he has this Republican family, and he is gay and he kind of says like oh I'm just like it's really hard for me and you want to know more about him Mm -hmm. and I really like enjoy that because sometimes like characters can be one-dimensional and like not a single character here is one-dimensional yeah Mm -hmm. which is so I feel like hard to do and I like it was so good yeah um we have to talk about Kyle Kyle, Kyle so edgy. AKA Lady Bird's second boyfriend played by lovely (laughs) Timothy Chalamet Timothy um so we actually saw this movie together and um, I usually tend to read reviews before I go to movies. I also follow, like, film festivals. And this was one I didn't really know that much going into it. I had saw Saoirse Run in Brooklyn, which is in one of our other podcasts. Oh. Um, we talked about it in our romance podcast. But I was like, oh, Saoirse Run's good. I saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, it's a high school film. So I saw it with, I saw it with Claire. We walked out of this being like, this is so good. And then we also walked out of it being like, we all know a Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many Kyles, Kyles in the world. In so world. many. So that, this was like the first thing I've seen Timothy Chalamet in. I'm yeah, this. Yeah. Well, besides Homeland, where I didn't know it was him because I watched Homeland for a period of time. Wait, was he the son in Homeland? Yes. <gasps> he dies. Yes. Are you so? He was, he was oh like the, my god! I did not know that. Wow. Okay, so I guess Homeland was the first thing I've seen Timothy Chalamet like, in. This is the first thing where I, I think I knew it was him because this is the same year Call Me by Your Name came out, right? Um, yeah, 2017. Yeah. Yeah, so they came out around the same time, so he was kind of going off of both films. Um, he was great. Kyle is kind of a dick. Yeah, he completely is. 
He was but also like, like you see his dying father. Also that that great line in the film where she's like, Lady Bird like doesn't really know how to talk to Kyle, and she's trying to be edgy. Just she's like trying him. to be edgy she's like him because be he's he's he doesn't not need to try. He is edgy. She needs to try. And she's like, oh, I'm gonna kill your family if you tell on me. And he's like. Oh, well, God's already doing that yeah. for me. Because like, his dad what? has cancer. Would you see part? And they did, um, I did read somewhere where they did film a funeral scene. It just didn't make it into the the film. Because I think, because Timothy Chalamet, he's saying, like, I think it was like an injury. He's like, oh, I get recognized a lot for Lady Bird. And was like, oh, it's the douche for Lady Bird. And he's like, but we filmed a funeral scene. I have more to my characters. That's like another way where there's more to him. Yeah, I I feel like I described him as like Tumblr black and white. Like he's he's a Tumblr boy. He's a, yeah, he's an e boy. Pre 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 e boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because like he doesn't dress like an e boy. Yeah, no. Um, but any other things? I really love this film. Yeah, I love this. When it came out, I was sort of in. Uh, Greta Gerwig was nominated for best director. Yes. And at first, I was a little hesitant because it was like a stacked year. It, for this was who won for best director? It was Guillermo del Toro and the people. Oh, it, it was water. It was Guillermo del Toro, Christopher Nolan, Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, and Paul Thomas Anderson. And it was like that year. And Steven Spielberg was not nominated. I don't think he should have been, but I'm just saying That's like for the post. Yeah, like this year, I was like, oh, should have. Should have Greta Gerwig been nominated, but now looking back, I'm like, absolutely. It was well directed. If anyone else tried to make this movie, they just couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah, not without like her love for Sacramento and yeah, just like, there was certain points where like there were just like scenes of Sacramento, mm-hmm. just shots, and it was really like beautifully done. Just very personal. The also, whole thing was um, very personal. the way it was very nostalgic, so it takes place in like 2002, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and. There's, I read about, like, this kind of sepia tones that the film has, um, very, like, kind of reminiscent, like, makes you, when you watch the movie, like, reminiscent for, like, an, a different time, which mm-hmm. I, like, definitely felt, even though I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what else. It's very rewatchable. Yeah, as I've said, I've watched this film so many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, can I just mention the iconic line of Julie going, um, the titular role? <laughs> It's really iconic. Should become a meme. If it's, yeah. I think it is a meme. Not very well known. Yeah. Sergio Ronan just has so many, like, delivers lines so well. Like, there's the one iconic line where uh, she puts Lady Bird in quotations, and the the priest is like, why is it in quote? And she's like, I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. I also like the line where after she's had sex for the first time, and with Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, and... She's like, I just wanted it to be special. And he's like, we're going to have so much any unspecial sex. You know, like, people are dying. You know how many people we've killed in Iraq? And she's like, shut up. <laughs> she's like, shut up. Like, two things can be sad at the same yeah. time. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that was also, like, a really great lesson. Like, even yeah. though it was kind of in a, in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the end of the film, they kind of reconnect. And she does. So in the whole film, she's kind of aiming to go to, like, New York, Yale, even though I've been to Yale and it's not that great. Um... <laughs> And obviously she doesn't have the grades because that's what her guidance counselor says, which is truly iconic. No, there's this one great line when she's at the guidance counselor and she's talking, the guidance counselor is telling her to like join the theater and she's like, I would like to be in Math Olympiad. And she's like, math isn't your strong suit. And then she goes, not that we know of yet. <laughs> math is still not her strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, so she like goes to school in New York and she 
kind of over there starts to realize how much she truly loved Sacramento Mm because she's now, like, obviously without it. Yeah. Um, It's just you you don't know what you love until it's lost. Exactly, and I think... Appreciate what... You have to learn to appreciate what you have in your Yeah, and she also appreciates her mom, like, what her mom has done, which Mm -hmm. I think is also a great moment where she calls her mom on the phone, she talks about driving around Sacramento, and then our fourth film is... Yes, Good Time, Good Time. Yes, so Good good time. Time... Also another wild film, I have to admit. Really wild, yeah. Yeah, A24 likes their wild films. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, who I think this is their first. They've been directing for about, I think, like, at this point, maybe, like, 10 years or so. But this is their first, um, I think, movie that most people have heard about. Oh, um, wait, they're doing Uncut Gems, too. Yeah, which did is, you not know that? No, I didn't know they that. They have a new film coming out with Adam Sandler soon called Uncut Gems. Oh, gotcha. Which okay. also got, like, really, like, intense reviews. Um, good reviews for Adam Sandler. The Weeknd's in it. Um, Adina Menzel is in it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's their film coming out now. But what we are talking about, Good Time, which I think is the, their first collaboration with A24, is starring... The wonderful Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Can't get away from him. Yeah, uh, A24's darling besides uh, Timmy Chalamet yeah, and Lucas Hedges. <laughs> yes, he is the, the A24. He has some other films on A24, might we Yeah, add. he does. Mm-hmm. He has a lot. He is truly great. Um, in this film, I think he's much better here than he was in Lighthouse. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I Okay, so I have been putting off watching this film. For a very long time. This is from 2017. It probably came out to Amazon Prime around that summer. So the summer of like 2018. So it's been almost over a year. Mm-hmm. And every time I would sit down to watch it. Because I had watched the trailer. And I had I had really like researched this for some reason. I was obsessed with the film. Even though I had never seen it. And I was like read so many reviews. Read so many articles with the directors. And with Rob Pattinson. And then every time I'd sit down. I'd be like I don't want to watch someone ruin their life. Like I was never in the mood. And then. This podcast forced me to watch it, and it was such a fun ride. I did not realize how much I would enjoy watching someone ruin their life. And for the sole purpose is that you don't care for the main character. Yeah. You I don't, don't at all. He is not sympathetic at all. No, because he screws over so many, many people. people and this. he doesn't care. No, like, starting with his brother, who's disabled, and basically... That's, that's the director. That's Benny Safdie. Get the out. Brother. <gasps> I can't believe you don't know this! So, I, there's... The main character is Basil Pants, and he's basically in the he's in every shot of this entire film. Um, but he basically has this disabled, I think, younger brother. Um, so he's deaf. He definitely has some learning disability, mental di- disability, um, and that is played. If you don't know, by Benny Safdie, who's one of the directors. I'm shook. I did not. I know, know so much about this film. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay, so. Yeah, and the whole the whole film is that um, the brother, so brother Nick is played by Benny Safdie, Robert Pattinson plays Connie. So Connie and Nick rob a bank. After Robert Pattinson makes him rob Makes a him bank. rob a bank. Mm-hmm. And They're the brother bank. gets caught, Connie doesn't get caught. Mm-hmm. And so Connie now has to come up with the bail money to get his brother out of Rikers. And that's basically what the movie is about. It's this basically one night Mm-hmm. Of trying to get this like ten thousand dollars to to get this um, so his brother many, yeah. and s- everything that goes wrong, like goes wrong mm-hmm. in a way where it was quite hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you can. I don't know. What are some of your favorite scenes? Okay, so definitely the when they're robbing the bank, like so intense. Uh, and yeah, then the music here is pretty on point. Uh huh. I loved it. It was 
it definitely helped with like the feeling of like you want to know what happens next. Yeah. It's very chaotic. Okay, the one scene that I remember so vividly is when uh, the bank robbery is on TV, and basically what happens is um, Nick, so much happens. Nick takes Con- Connie's the the brother, right? Yeah. Okay, so Nick no, ta- Connie is the uh, Rob Pattinson. Pattinson. Nick is okay. the brother. So Connie takes Nick from the hospital. Turns out that. He takes the wrong person. I generally laughed out loud at that moment. Which, that was insane. But, anyway, before he knows that, he goes to this house and is trying to convince the family, like, oh, you have to let me in. Like, it's me and my brother. We have nowhere to go. And him and one of, like, the girl there are watching the TV and the bank robbery comes on. So, Robert Pattinson starts making out with her. To, so She's she 16, might we add. I know. Um, so, it's definitely, like, there's this weird undertone of, like, what's going on. Um... And then, he, like, she gets arrested so after trying there, to help him. I do admit, so in this film, um, a lot, I, like, I, I don't, like, we can say the plot. We can say, I'll say, like, a shortened version of the plot. He tries to get mail money from his rich girlfriend. The credit card doesn't work, so instead he realizes that his brother is in the hospital. So he's like, okay, I'm going to break my brother out of the hospital. On his, which he does, which the entire time when he's breaking, trying to break his brother out, I was like, this is not going to happen. And then it does happen. And then he convinces this person he met on the ride back to, like, people's houses because he was in a wheelchair. Um, and he convinces them to stay at their house. And after this point, he realized the wrong guy, realized who was not his brother, um, said, tells to him that there's this LSD, this, this um, Sprite can of LSD that he had left at this amusement park. So... Connie's like, oh, we'll sell that and I'll make bail money. So when they get to the amusement park, they go with the 16-year-old girl. Um, she stays in the car and they both make their way. And there's a African-American security guard. Him and the girl are the only two people to get, at that moment, to get arrested, which is mm-hmm. very, like, telling. They're the only, like, people of color to get arrested while everyone believes, like, Connie, who's this, like, white man. Mm-hmm. That was, like, a little social commentary on that part. Um, and then after... They end up, so the security, what they do is that they actually change clothes with the security guard. Um, So Connie looks like he's a security guard, and this is the guy who was breaking in, and then they go to his house, um, and then eventually Connie gets arrested. Mm -hmm. But And good riddance, too. Good riddance, too. He did, like... Such an unlikable character. Yeah. So the other scene where I, like, generally laughed out loud, so the guy, the character who we think is um, Nick this whole time, actually isn't Nick. Um, I don't know what his name is, but he's played... By an, he's been in their other films, so Benny and Josh Safdie's films, um, and he actually is like Loki, the inspiration for Good Time, because he went to Rikers, and that was like their main oh. inspiration. Was like, okay, what is it like to be in Rikers, like this prison system? Um, but so he is talking about how he got into this, how he basically got to the hospital, and it's this weird like segue, where like it's all the shots, like you think like okay, he's gonna tell the story, like no, 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 like they they take this weird cut into, like, you're, we're no longer talking about Connie and Nick. We are now in this guy's world. And he talks about how he got this, like, his face is all fucked up. And he basically is, like, he got out of jail. He got really fucked up on drugs and alcohol. And then he he face plants onto the, onto the like, pavement um, from a moving car. And he's like, now look at my face. And I was generally laughing out loud. Like, what do you think would happen yeah. if you face plant onto the concrete? <laughs> well, we have two... Um... Jumping out of A24 and jumping out of cars happens in Good Times and Lady Bird. Yeah, jumping out of cars. What yeah. is with them? I don't um, know. 
one of my favorite scenes of this entire film actually happens in the beginning. So in the beginning of the film, and they advertise this film as like a good time, you know, a good ride. Like it's a thr- it's a thriller. That's kind of how they were doing it. And the first scene is um, Nick is kind of in this, I think what I believe to be a therapy session. He clearly isn't diagnosed from what you can tell. Um, and he's they're having this kind of therapy session where the therapist is basically saying like, okay, do you understand these words? Giving him groups of words, stuff like that, some sort of test. Um, and Nick starts to cry. And then all of a sudden, Ralph Harrison just comes in and they do this really fun zoom onto his face. And I just love that zoom so much. Like I generally was like, that was great. Cause as soon as you zoom into Connie, you're like, this is the film. Yeah. Like, like it was very calm before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and then all of a sudden it, it has that lovely zoom onto Connie and you're like, okay, this film is starting. Yeah. And after that, the really it isn't starts. a calm moment. There is not a calm mm-hmm. moment. Um, super chaotic, but in a good way, it makes you want to watch and see what else is going. I really like the directing was so good. I love when, they're doing the car scenes. They're do a, there's a bunch of scenes where they're just, like, filming the outside of the car, like, where they're driving, and it was very reminiscent of, like, police car chases. Yeah. Even though there is no police car chase in the entire film. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like a... The whole thing yeah. feels like a police yeah, car chase. Yeah, and that... sort of, like... The way they're driving and the way that it's filmed, you're like, it's, it feels as if it's a police car chase, and I think that's because... It's a, this feeling of, oh, they're going to get caught at some yeah. point. It, you always just feel like, oh, someone's on their trail, and they're, like, going to get in trouble any moment. He's going to get in trouble any moment for this. Yeah. And made, I was sort of waiting for his whole world to fall apart. I was waiting for it, too. Because I did not like his character at all. Yeah, like, he's look, so dumb. He's, he's um so, also, the, like, interesting for his character was kind of like a con man, which you can clearly see. Connie. The, <laughs> Connie, the con man. But he, he manipulates every person around him, and he's yeah. good at it. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. That's where, like, there are certain parts where I'm like, you're a terrible person, but it is so fun watching you manipulate mm-hmm. people because he'll just turn on a smile or he'll say something, and you're, and all of a sudden people are just falling yeah, at He can feet. be charming when he wants to. Yeah, he can which be is very really, mm-hmm. it was such an interesting part to see for Robert Pattinson, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But looking back on this, like, I don't remember this A24 movie, or I don't care for it as much as I do the others, just because... It's not a story anyone can relate to, and it's not a character I'm rooting for, like you said But that's before. what I think what's fun about it. Like, I like I said, like, it took me over a year to actually sit down and watch this film, and I just thought it was it was fun. Like, I was, I was laughing out loud. I was yelling about how dumb Connie is, like, the entire like, time. I enjoyed watching it while I was watching it, but I feel like, at least for me, there was really no takeaway from it. Yeah, I don't, there definitely isn't, like, a lesson. This isn't, like... Lady Bird or Eighth Grade or um, trying not to ruin some of the other films we watched. Uh, the Little Lighthouse, there's no takeaway or character to relate to. Okay. So you can't give it that. But I feel like there's more symbolic. Like, it's more symbolic. There's And you can analyze it more, you know? I think you can definitely analyze this film. The way they use color is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No, the way they use color is really good. There's, it's like, really a lot of neons, good. and it's, like, really dark tones. Yeah, it's, like, kind of, yeah. Because most of it takes place at night, at night. Apart from, like, the bank robbery scene in the beginning. Yeah, and also the end scene as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I have noticed... I mean, I'll talk about it with our next movie, because I'll do it then. Is there anything else? Also, I feel like in this film as well, um, you want to know more about the characters in the same way you do Lady Bird, but it's it's presented in a much different way here. Mm-hmm. There's several scenes where they know who robbed the bank, the police are talking to the grandmother. At the beginning of the film, it's implied that the grandmother abused 
Nick, yet you don't know if Connie ever lived with Nick. And there's this kind of history where, like, you think Connie had gone to jail, but you don't know why. And there's this whole thing with the grandmother, and it made me, at least for them to want to know more. Like, I truly, there were points in the in the film where I was like, what is Connie's motivation? Because mm-hmm. they talk about how Nick is like, um, he's like, oh, um, you'd say, you said we'd, we'd live in a farm in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, wait, where did this come from? Like, yeah. that's clearly why they were robbing the bank, because they said they're going to the bus station afterwards. Um, and it's this whole thing where I'm like, I want to know more about these two characters, because they're, they're interesting. It's like, how did they get to this place to yeah. be so mm-hmm. fucked up? I just can't see him ever living on a farm in Virginia. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. That's why it's so ridiculous, where it's like, you imagine these characters, and you're like, like, and it's, like they have this hope and dream to be somewhere that they can't, like, you can never picture them. You can't picture mm-hmm. Nick or Connie, like, living this slow life and it's Mm -hmm. also like i was wondering i'm like how do how do they get this far yeah that is so funny because it's such a fast-paced movie and they're trying to achieve this slow lifestyle yeah yeah it's it's so it's like very you know um that's the story i want give me uh robert pattinson on a farm it's just slow paced two-hour movie what he's doing conning people conning the other farmers around him benny josh safty make this film (laughs) Once again, the acting's good. A24 always just, like, bringing it with the acting, honestly. They did. They did. Um, mm. There was also one point in the film, I don't know, his accent, Rod Preston's accent was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was this point in the film where he said, um, it's like they're at the the grandmother's house with a 16-year-old girl, and she says where she lives, and he says, like, oh, thank you so much. I started laughing because it jet because it's it's this very like New York accent that I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like such pull back to like other guys saying this. And like you can clearly tell he's like he's like trying to mean it, but I know that accent. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, just faking it so hard. Faking but it yeah, so hard. I always forget that Robert Pattinson isn't American because he does play Americans in so many of he his films. Really good job. But he's got in real life this like pretty thick British accent. He does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does a good job of hiding it. Good job, Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. We if you can't tell, we like you. We a lot. love Robert Pattinson. <laughs> if it's not clear already. Okay, so I think that's a good ending point for good time. Good times. Um our final A twenty four film is Moonlight. Moonlight was so, so- so good. It's a film we wanted to put in our romance podcast because it's very general, very good. But we think it embodies a lot of, like, what A24, it's the, their first film to ever win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So we think they did a really good job. Um, Moonlight is a great film. Mm-hmm. I really watched it for this. I, I had seen this once it had already won a Best Picture because I think it went back into theaters. Yeah. And yeah. I actually, I watched it, and we were, I was like, oh, yes. Like, once I saw it, I was like, it deserved what the, the like, awards it got. Um, if you don't know what Moonlight is about, or if you, you know, lived under a rock. Um, so, Moonlight is directed by Barry Jenkins, who went to Florida State University, might I add. Um, I'm from Florida as well. And it's based off a play by, I think it's, I don't know who the guy who wrote the play is, but he's, it's just inspired by that. And it's told in three parts. It's about, we follow a character named Sharon um, through when he's little. Um, um, they call, call, it's broken up into little, little Chiro, Chiron, Chiron, and, and then black. black. So when he's little, he's like in elementary school. When he's Sharon, he's like in high school. And the third part is when he's, I'd probably think in his 20s or something. Maybe yeah. Like late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it follows him throughout his kind of, you know, childhood in Florida, and then once it goes to the third park, he's in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. also goes back to Florida. Um, 
Barry Jenkins just did knock this out of the park. It was it's very amazing. well done, mm-hmm. and it, it deserved what it what it got as well. Yeah. Um. So it's you start off not with Chiron but with Quan, mm-hmm. who is played by Mahershala Ali in what I did not know is a literal the definition of a supporting character. <laughs> He, so Juan is only in the first part of this film. I think each part is maybe like 30 minutes or so, maybe a little longer, depending mm-hmm. on the part it is. So Juan, um, he plays this drug dealer in what it, we assume is Miami. Um, and he's very, like, it, it, the first time we meet him, he's, like, checking up with one of the guys who deals. And he says, like, the one line where I'm like, he's like, oh, how's your mom feeling? Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he generally cares and he's generally, like, a good person, but this is the circumstance into which he had grown up in. Yeah. Um, and then once you kind of start with that, it's a very kind of more calm feeling. You start, so you see these kids chase this little boy and the kid being chased is Chiron. Um, but everyone calls him little because he's He's small. just like, yeah. He's small. Um, I feel like physical appearance plays such an important role yeah. in this because There's a, a lot. he starts off like very like a scrawny kid in high school. He's very like lanky, and then at the end, the he's end like he's... very big. Um, but that yeah, and um, I know Barry Jenkins talked about this in a few interviews about how it is very much about masculinity. I was going to say there's a very he's big... the same person at the end, even though he's gone from like scrawny, but he's been able to like hide it. Yeah, inside yeah. his like so, very masculine body, even though he's um, doesn't fit the toxic masculinity yes, stereotype. I think, like Juan is also like, he's a very kind of gentle man, but you would think he would be this very you know masculine, angry, mm-hmm. you know, stereotypical like African American man, which we see in a lot of you know TV. He is a, like a drug dealer, which mm-hmm. is what usually the stereotypical man but he is still but has he's the same it turns it turns it on his head he's a still yeah. a human being and that's mm-hmm. what i really liked mm-hmm. um so the film like really talk like really kind of has undertones of masculinity um homosexuality as well so the main character chiron is gay um or at least it, it's implied that he's gay mm-hmm. um and also it talks about like his relationship with his mother and his relationship with kind of like his blood and then his found family yeah who is played by janelle monet who's fawn's wife mm-hmm. um who i love she's so great in this um, yeah, and I just, like, it's, it's so nice to see him kind of change. So throughout the film, like, he gets bullied, like, his, for the first two parts, he's bullied both in elementary school and high school for basically being, yeah, skinnier, yeah. he's called, like, the, like, a gay slur word a lot, and then in the last one, as you said, he's very, you know, he's built, yeah, very built, and he has, you know, like, earrings, he has a grill, he, he deals drugs now, yet he is still the same. And he has this very much outward appearance of he's this hard, a hard guy. Um, and then as, like, as soon as the end of the film, you see him start to go back to his normal self. He's very soft-spoken. He's so shy. Yeah. Which is something like you, I didn't necessarily expect. Because you kind of see it, like, you expect it when you're younger. Yeah. You know, I didn't really expect it when he was older because mm-hmm. he has this outward appearance. Yeah. There's just so many great, great scenes in this. It's like I love how everything, besides the, in the last part, is played to classical music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fights are played to classical music. There's a scene where Juan is teaching Chiron. They have a very like close bond. Oh, the swimming um, lesson. The swimming lesson, That's... and it's set to this beautiful like score, and it's very biblical. It's if he's being reborn, and mm-hmm. Juan and his wife Teresa, um, they kind of teach little, not little Chiron. Um, how to kind of 
I don't know. They teach they teach him like it's okay to be himself. Mm-hmm. It's okay to express yourself. Whereas if he goes home, his mother, who's a drug addict, um, and she spirals more as the movie goes on, is kind of like belittling him and, and totally screaming at him. Screaming like there's this one him. scene. It's so scary. And well, the lighting in this is so beautiful. But there's this one scene where she's in a hallway and she's screaming, but it's at, at him. But the whole scene is silent, so you just see her. And the lights are yeah. kind of flickering. And it's, like, a beautiful scene, but it's just, like... And then you don't realize what she says until the end of the second part. Mm-hmm. Where she yells at him, where she's just, like, don't look at me. Yeah. Um, and that was... She's also... I forgot. I don't know who plays her, but the mother does a really great job as well. Mm-hmm. The acting in here was really great. Um, but you could definitely see how Sharon could be, become so attached to Wong. Because they're um, very much a loving home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a point where um, she, she talks about... Um, and the second part where Teresa's like, hey, remember, like, we're all love and all pride here. Yeah. And that, you can tell, like, he very much clings on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, we said he is gay in this one. He does have a love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least his own love. So, he meets, we meet him, who's also, he's a constant in all three parts. We meet him when he's in the first part as, like, a, a kid who kind of, st- kind of, he's like, oh, Ron, you should stand up for yourself. And they have, the, they have this wrestling match, which... Very, like, well done. There's insane, like, close-ups of different body parts. And it, you can't tell that they're necessarily wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second part um, is when they, like, kiss for the first time. And, and it's beautiful. Right after that, though, uh, there's that horrible scene where Kevin's punching Sharon because they... Because the his classmates were telling him to. Yeah, And he so, obviously, like, didn't yeah, want to. Yeah, there's this fear of, obviously, like... Chiron, like, they didn't even, they just, like, assumed he was gay. And he was getting bullied a lot. And then Kevin, who after, like, you know, this is Chiron's, I think, first sexual experience with Kevin. Um, this bully is like, hey, if I tell you to beat this person up, will you? And mm-hmm. Kevin's like, yeah, of course I am. Because he has to have this appearance of, you know, I'm sh- a strong man. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, the bully's like, okay, beat up Chiron. Beat up, you know, little. And he does. And he, like, Kevin keeps telling Chiron, like, hey, if you... Like, stay down, I won't hit you again. And you kind of see this, like, snap in yeah. him where he's like, no, like, I'm standing up for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you shouldn't be, you know, beating me up. Yeah. The one scene I really love is it's in the second part where Sharon's walking through the hallway. And it's a really long, drawn-out shot into the school. Wait, is that, like, the last scene? No, 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 no. This was um, in the second part where he hits. Yeah, the, yeah. like, the last Kind of like the last scene oh, of the second yeah. part. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, so I commented on that too. Yeah, so it's like just very slow shot. It's very of him de- walking determined. The and you just, they show his face a lot, and you're sort of just like, what is he thinking? What is he going to do? He gets, you can tell he's angry and he's yeah. determined. And yeah. you're like, what is he going to do? And he literally takes a chair, and to the bully who said to like beat him up, who's been antagonizing him throughout this entire part, mm-hmm. beats, like, and beats the crap out of him. It happens so fast. Like after that slow scene, he gets into that classroom and just whips out that chair so fast. And everyone's and like, what's like, going on? Like, a card castle just collapsing. That's yeah. sort of what it felt like. Yeah. Um, um, and then in the third part, so as soon as this part ends, he gets arrested and Kevin sees this. And then it automatically goes to the third part where, like, there's these loud, you know, rap music. You see him as very confident. He's so talkative in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, making jokes. And you realize now he's in Georgia and he's dealing drugs. And then... Literally, as soon as he gets this phone call from Kevin, he re- reverts back to who he really is. And 
he like doesn't really know how to talk to Kevin. Mm-hmm. And Kevin basically reaches out to him and is like, oh, like, you know, you're a hard person to reach. You know, I'm in Miami again or whatever. If you ever come by, like I work at this restaurant, like we should hang out. And our lovely Chiron, who knows what he wants, yeah. drives all the way down and goes to see Kevin. And I love this, the the scene as well when he first realizes, like, oh, like that's Chiron. Like I did like because Kevin kind of looks really similar. He's, mm-hmm. you know, skinny, not exactly like built. Chiron looks incredibly different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's like, oh, wait, like, this is you. Yeah. All the acting in this just so well done. Yeah. Like, Barry Jenkins, like, all three of the actors who play Ch- Ch- Chiron, um, they all sort of look a little, like, kind of different from each other in each part. But Barry Jenkins commented and he was like, it doesn't really matter what they look like, but the, uh, he had this quote, the eyes are the windows to the soul. That's what and I think I loved about And even though they might them. not look exactly the same through each part, if their eyes look the same, the audience will connect to that, which I really felt. I think, I think that's why I felt that mm-hmm. too. I think also that's why he does this thing. He does it several times in the film where he'll have someone talking, but the shot is just someone's face without their mouth moving. Mm-hmm. So you're very focused on the emotion, not necessarily what you're hearing. Yeah. Because the mouth is moving, you're like, you're like, obviously this person is saying something. It happens with the mother. It happens with Kevin. I think when Kevin first, like, is talking to Chiron, and it's like, it's kind of like when you see someone, and you're just focused on like what their face looks like and not yeah. necessarily what they're mm-hmm. saying. And I really liked how he plays with that a lot. Um, and then I love the last couple scenes in this when they're having this conversation where um, they're in Kevin's apartment. And at this point in the film, it is made realize that Chiron um, has, like, no, sorry, not to Chiron, that Kevin, he has a daughter, but he's living a very good life. He's not with the, mo- the mother. He's of his, fulfilled Oh, not with, daughter. He has a son. Oh, my God. Yeah, Kevin but he's, Union. like, fulfilled with fatherhood. Yeah, he has his great, and Chiron is not necessarily this person, and Kevin is kind of like, what do you want? Like, like you're not this person. Like, you're, And he's like, how do you know I'm not? And... Um, they have this conversation where it's basically, basically saying, like, I like you. Mm-hmm. and they're, But they're not saying that. And then, you know, Chiron, like, up and out goes, you're the only person yeah. that, like, has ever, um, has ever, you're the only, like, person to, who's ever touched me. Mm-hmm. And that was so beautiful. And Ke- yeah. Kevin's face, when that, how he realizes, like, what he said, he has this, like, kind of, like, awe and, like, and then they just, like, look at each other, and they're like, yeah, like, this is what we want. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me pause it. Oh, okay. Oh. We're back. Um, okay, we were talking about last scene. And Kevin, and the look on his face. Yeah, he's so, uh, I just love them. I, it was, you can tell that they love each other, which I think is really great, and I agree with it, what Barry Dickens said about the eyes. Mm-hmm. It's very much kind yeah, of like the, the window to the soul. Eyes were just, like, very important in this movie. I'm trying to think what else. Um, oh, this was the thing where I wanted to mention. So the, the last, last scene of this film before it fades to black is, the second to last, is where adults Kevin and Chiron are in the same position that young Kevin and Chiron were in when they were, like, having their first sexual experience. And there's a, definitely a theme within all of these, maybe almost all these films, about this, like, circular in eighth grade, the first shot is very similar to the second shot. Yeah. In good time, it starts with Nick and the therapist, and it ends with Nick and the therapist mm-hmm. in this 
room. And Ladybird, not as much, but it is that circular pattern of that. And I think... Well, talking about the car ride. Car, you're talking so, about the car ride, which yeah. is what we see in the beginning of the film. The lighthouse, not as much. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, they're both they're they're still on the island at the end. So, That's true. You know, circular pattern. The man. whole the whole that whole movie is circular. Truly, <laughs> truly. Um, but I think it's like all like I have to say about our top five films. What about you? Um. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I had history on. I forgot about this, but history on the actual story of the lighthouse. Yeah. Should I, do you want me to go into that a little bit? I just kind of, I forgot to say it. We can do it later. Okay, so thank you so much for lis- listening with us this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to know more, we do have a website. It's uh, Making Sense of Movies. It's Wix website. So please check it out if you'd like to subscribe or anything mm-hmm. like that. And if you email us, we will email you back. We will I email promise you back. That is the Casper guarantee. <laughs> we'll email you back. Okay, have a good have a good day. Bye. Thanks. Bye.